welcome back, guys. Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 43. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm excellent. I'm living the American dream, sir. How about <laughs> Working you? 60 hours a week and barely making it. So that's done. Oh, is it? It is done. Oh, that's awesome. That's a new development. It is. Yeah, didn't have to finish out the rest of the year working 60s. They said, no, you're done. And we're like, Perfect. okay, cool. I'm good with that. Heck yeah. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. That's uh, more time for family and, yes. and makes those Saturdays a lot nicer. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Makes you look yeah. forward to Fridays again. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I haven't been able to sleep in yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I'm you know, grateful that next three weeks, this week and the next two, I'm only working four-day weeks just because I had today off for a vacation day that I had left over. And then uh, next week, we're off Christmas Eve and... We're off on New Year's Eve. Sweet. So, going to be hanging out those couple days and getting into some trouble, maybe. See what happens. So, so you're coming to my house, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, episode 43, we are excited today. We are going to go through Romans chapter 11. I don't have a lot by way of any kind of pithy little intro. Um, I feel like last week's little mini rant to start the episode was enough for two weeks yeah Yeah, it's enough for two weeks but i do want to i think both of us want to start just by mentioning you know the events that took place in kentucky and in arkansas and tennessee these last uh, this last friday night saturday morning just numerous tornadoes touched down uh my home state the city of mayfield kentucky uh, a few hours you know kind of southwest of louisville it is was destroyed yeah i mean just utter destruction and damage bowling green um there were tornadoes all throughout the state most of it thankfully stayed south of myself and my family my family in louisville and then myself up here in southern indiana and and our church family and everything Uh, most of us were pretty well i think maybe some power outages for a little bit but wasn't bad but the destruction there if you if you haven't seen the pictures i'm sure you haven't it's been all over national media and, and everything it's been pretty pretty devastating our president's coming to visit on on wednesday and take politics and set those aside yeah that's a good move by him yeah um, a good idea you know i'm i'm sure you know what i'm not even going to make that joke it was just a good idea <laughs> uh, i think uh set what you think of him aside you know yeah. and and even with the governor of kentucky um Give him credit again. Set the politics aside. I have liked nothing that he's done in the few years he's been governor, but the way he's handled this has been has been good. He, he's done a good job. It's about time. Yeah, exactly. And, and well, and I actually believe, believe it or not, I actually believe him when he talks about how how upset he is by this and how yeah. how you know how sad he is and and how much he cares about the state. And as much as I disagree with what he does politically. Pretty much at every turn, this situation he's 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 doing well. So good, um, glad glad to see that. So if you guys think about it, just throughout the weeks and the months coming, especially Christmas time, just pray for the families involved. I mean, the death toll is up over eighty, I think, is what I read today, and expected to continue to grow yeah. because there's still, I think, last I saw, a couple, a little over a hundred people missing and unaccounted for. And, and so as the days and weeks go on, I'm sure that death toll, unfortunately, will will It'll climb and rise. so uh just be praying for them and, and praying for the state and that um you know fi- find a way to help if you can give donate um I-, I would humbly suggest donating to somebody other than the red cross to, to help this uh organize help this cause but there are plenty of ways you can uh, donate some money and 
you know, some resources and water. And I know there's places you can drop water off and clothing and stuff for the people affected by this. So if you, if you think about it, you have the resources to do so, go online, f- figure out somewhere you can give. Maybe I'll t- put a link out on our Facebook page or an in Instagram page in the next day or so to, uh, you know, direct where a good charity to donate yeah. to and a good place to, <clears throat> that to they'll to, actually get the money. Exactly. And use it, yeah. yeah. So, um, so anyway, that's just kind of my thought for the first part of this. We, like yeah. I said, I didn't have a ton of stuff prepared just because I haven't been super angry this week. Like I was <laughs> last week. So well, just, and just looking <laughs> at the, the tornado and looking at just natural disasters in general reminds me of it's Romans chapter eight, uh, verse 21 through 22, uh, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. So, I mean, creation is under bondage of sin and mm-hmm. time, and this is the recourse. This this is what has to happen, and, and it's groaning. I mean, even just looking at a a tornado, if you've ever heard the sound of a tornado, it sounds... The best way people have been able to describe it is a freight train. Just this, ooh, just this deafening sound, and it's groaning. Creation is groaning, and it—I mean, it's awful, but it has to happen. It has yeah. to happen until Jesus comes back. Yeah, it's devastating, and and so just set politics aside, set whatever you think about anybody aside, and just find a way to support the people down there through prayer, through any kind of giving, any kind of donations. Like I said, there are places you can, in Louisville and, and Southern Indiana, where you can drop water off to, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by Austin trying to figure out where to put the can of, of, of sparkling water. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, you know, just do some research. Well, like I said, I'll maybe throw out a, a post yeah. in the next day or so about where to donate. That's, reputable and is going to do what it says it's going to do and yeah um you know because i need to do that for myself figure out where i want to donate some stuff even if it's just a case of water yeah they need everything they can get because the people affected by this have nothing at this point so except the clothes on their back so today we're gonna do things a little differently in romans 11 we are going to just read it in three different sections we're going to stop and discuss each section these are the divisions that the esv bible has given obviously they weren't there when paul wrote it but they seem like natural places to put a little bit of a of a headline headline or something, and it Paul shifts subjects, you know, and, and a new thought is is beginning in each, within each section, and so it's a letter, yeah. So just yeah. a little bit of an intro, chapters nine and ten, um, question whether God's word has failed. All right, a question whether God's word has failed because so many of His own chosen people have not responded to the gospel. So yeah. talking about the Jews, talking about how. The Jewish people have failed to say yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's that nine and ten are that question of did has God rejected Israel? Right. And eleven comes in and answers that question. Yeah. So Paul is gonna discuss this idea. Has God rejected his people? He's gonna answer that question. Um, I think we know the answer just right away, but let's dive into the why the answer is what it is. And let's just start with Romans eleven, verses one through ten. I'll read that. Also will get the next one. And then we'll fight over the third section. Um, maybe we'll get one of the dogs to read it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> He'll win. All right, here we go. Uh, Romans 11, verses 1 through 10. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. 
For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed their knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a, retrib- and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So Paul jumps in immediately. Has God rejected his people? By no means. What, what, well, what do we always say? Meganeteo. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You dummies. <laughs> that is not what that is. So his initial response, of course, is automatically, emphatically, no, no. I am a Jew. This is Paul talking. Mm-hmm. I am one of you. I am I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm in the tribe of Benjamin. God is not rejecting his people. Really, quite the opposite is taking place. Yeah. His people are rejecting him. But it's interesting, too, the way he, he lays this out is, yeah, I myself am an Israelite. Israelite. Israel is in the nation, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So, Paul used to be Saul. He was named after the first king of Israel. Very prominent name, very strong name. From the line of Benjamin, also Saul, the king, was out of the line of Benjamin. What happened when they split? When the two kingdoms split? Benjamin and Judah stayed in the kingdom of Judah, or Judea. And the rest of the tribes went up towards Jerusalem, and they had the northern kingdom. So, the tribe of Benjamin is a very, very prominent tribe among all 12 of them. So, he's he's pointing this out as in, he, I mean, just like he has in uh, other chapters, I am a Jew of Jews. I am a, a Pharisee. So, he's laying this out saying, I am one of you guys. And he's trying, and, and again, he's trying to make that, I don't know, I, I guess you could say that bridge, trying to bridge that gap of... I, I am not that that far removed from you guys. I'm not. I'm still here. Right. Well, in, in well, what is it in, in verse or in chapter 10, I think it was, or maybe in chapter 9, where he's like, I, I would almost rather die without the knowledge of Christ than for you to die without the knowledge of Christ. Yes. Like, he is longing for his family members, his brothers and sisters, his Jewish relatives, his, you know, Jewish kinsmen. To be saved. Yeah. He wants that to happen. And so he wants to, again, just pound into their heads. Because, again, what are we? We're sheep. Mm-hmm. We are stubborn. We aren't very smart. We don't get things through our heads very easily. So it has to be repeated over and over again for us to, to, for us to understand it. And all the women who have husbands and boyfriends probably are saying amen right now. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yes. But, ladies, it's you too. You know, you guys are the same problem we have. <laughs> we, we're stubborn. <laughs> Just less pronounced, I guess. The peoples. But anyway, yeah. So it, it's, he's just hammering this point home of like, no, he is not, for he's not forgetting you. Just because you disobeyed 
doesn't mean God is is going to back out of his covenant with his people. Right. Just because he disobeyed. Which, this, I mean, definitely in the um, the Christian community, I guess you could say, different sects, this is actually a very controversial topic. This idea that since Jesus came and the, the Jews, the Israelites, completely rejected Christ, the Messiah, that a lot of Christians believe that the Jews are completely removed from the promise, that it is now the church that is uh, a part of the, the promises and the covenant. And as we're going to dig in deeper, that is not true. The, the nation of Israel, the, tribe of, the tribes of Israel are still very much the chosen people of God. And we've been grafted in, which again, we'll, we'll get into. But in verse two, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Well, in, in verse two, kind of like we're talking about here, it alludes back to two different verses in the Old Testament. He's kind of echoing what was said in 1 Samuel 12, verse 22, where it says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Mm-hmm. So that promise was made there. And you look at you know, move forward to David writing in the book of Psalms, 94 verse 14, and that says, For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. Yeah. So it, it's a theme throughout the entire Old Testament, and Paul is bringing that into his letter to the Romans, saying, God is not going to give up on his people. They are still his chosen people. No matter who gets grafted in, God chose the Israelites to perform to perform all of these acts of salvation, right? Everything had to go through them for us to even be grafted in. Yes. There was no other way, because that's the way God set it out to be. So It's also that thought of, okay, if God does not uphold his promises, therefore we cannot trust, we're trusting in an untrustworthy God. We cannot trust God, and that's that's heresy. Uh, No. That Neginateo, no. So again, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35, Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar? The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. So this idea of, you know, he's he's created everything, right? The, the, the heavens, the sun, the moon. If they get to the point where they stop shining and stop doing what I've created them to do, then the nation of Israel will cease. If... People have completely underwent the task of exploring the foundations of the yeah, earth. Yeah, then the, the, it'll my promise will cease. Basically, you say it'll never happen. Or, it will never happen. Or I, I read it a little bit differently. I agree with you, but I think another way you can read it is if you prove me wrong in any of these areas, yeah, then okay, we'll, we'll cease to exist. The, the, or the nation of Israel cease to exist. Yeah, yeah, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, and then, then sure, I'll take my hand off of Israel, and they won't be a nation anymore. The funny part is, when I read that, um, my first thought was, like, okay, Satan's really trying. 
It's yeah. like all of our space exploration right. and all that kind of stuff trying to go out and basically proving God wrong in Jeremiah. It's not working. It's not going to happen. We, we've talked about this before, where the more advanced our technology becomes, the more we get into astronomy and we're able to see beyond the Milky Way and beyond our galaxy and into the universe that yeah. is, I mean, an unfathomable distance that we can see. We can't just can't fathom that far. Yeah, billions upon billions upon billions of miles that we that for somehow we're able to see with our telescopes. All they're doing is proving creation. Right. Uh, that's yeah. all they're doing. They're all they're doing is saying, "Man, th- this is orderly. There has to be some sort. There's a design here, which oh, then yeah. logic leads. There's a designer for that design. Like, oh, that was that oh, was Dexter's head. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, he's not moving. He's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. No, he's fine. He, he stole Maddox's bone, oh. and anyway, okay. <laughs> I'm not leaving that in because that was kind of funny. Just Dexter's <laughs> head just ramming into the microphone. Anyway, um, it it does it. All the science continues to prove. We talked about that when we talked about abortion last week, where the more technology we gain in in studying the unborn, the more definitive it's a life. Oh, it's yeah. a separate human life at conception. It's definitive. Yep. That is a scientific fact. That cannot be disproven because it's been proven. Period. Yes. There's no questioning. And that's what's happening when we explore space, when we explore the oceans, when we explore the earth. It is consistently pointing to a creator. And even some scientists will admit that. Now, they may not admit that to be Yahweh, right? The God of the universe. But they at least are starting to say, hey... That natural revelation. There's something here that put this together because this cannot have happened by chance. Yeah. So... Which is awesome. Prove me wrong, and I will <laughs> remove my hand from Israel. Yeah, which leading into verse three, uh, talk, bringing up Elijah, and again getting into some dicey topics, but I love it. So, Scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel. Verse three, Lord, they have killed our prophets; they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So, too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. So, bringing up Elijah, one of the big prophets of Israel. I mean, this this guy was great. This is coming off the heels of a massive victory where all of the priests of Baal were just slaughtered because they were proved wrong that Baal was not God and that Yahweh was the God. And Jezebel just sent out an order saying, I'm going to kill you. So Elijah <laughs> runs Things off. Things were looking bad for old Elijah oh, in yeah. this moment. It, and it, just for the reference real quick before you go on, if you want to look back, this is coming out of 1 Kings 19. Yes. So you go back into 1 Kings 19 and you can read this quote that Paul is pulling from. Uh, in this chapter, in this verse. But go ahead. Yeah. Things are looking bleak yeah. for our man Elijah. It, Elijah at this time, he's an old man. And he runs. He runs to, I believe it's Beersheba. And it's it's hot. So he runs there. He's fleeing from Jezebel. He's fleeing from her minions. And he, he prays this prayer to God against Israel. He's praying against Israel. It says, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars and I alone and left. And they seek my life. And God replies, he says, I have a select few. I have 7,000 men who I have not allowed to bow their knee to Baal. 
So this gets into the elect of the elect. Again, so looking... A second category. Exactly. Of chosen people. So looking at Abraham. Abraham gives birth to two people. Well, Abraham does. That's true. Thank, I'm going to yeah. restart that. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it... I mean, God does a lot of miraculous... Wow. I'm going to restart. God does a lot of miraculous things. That was awful. I don't know. I thought it was funny. (laughs) Anyway. So, starting with Abraham, from his seed come, again, multiple nations. Uh, But for one is Ishmael. Ishmael comes first uh, from Hagar. And then next, you get uh, Isaac. And from Isaac, then you have Jacob and Esau. Ishmael was not chosen from Abraham. Esau was not chosen from Isaac. So Jacob, having that elect out of Abraham, and then moving down the line, even out of Israel, again, reading that in the past chapters, not all those who are a part of Israel are a part of Israel. And it's it's that thought of, okay, God has picked those who will stay true to him versus those who will not. And even looking um, today, there are the, the 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 Orthodox Jews right now that are trying to get to the point where they rebuild the temple on the Temple Mount. They want to rebuild it. They they know that this is what they're supposed to do. Like back when Nehemiah and Ezra came back and they were rebuilding the walls, they knew that that's what they were supposed to do. But you have the other side of the Jews, of the Israelites, saying, no, don't do that. There's no point and no reason in doing that. But they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and now, and, and want to point out too, that's not doing what they're supposed to do in a way of like, that's what God does, obeying God. That's just fulfilling prophecy. And, and exactly. there's a little bit of a difference here because yes. there is no need for a temple at this right. point. We are the temple. Yep. The body of Christ is the temple of, uh, the temple of God. So we are his, his temple. So the, the temple is not needed it's not part of obedience. It's part of it's part of prophecy. It's part of God orchestrating his plan as we continue to see throughout history, throughout the entirety of scripture, throughout all of history, we see these things that lead up to God's ultimate plan. Yes. Which you know, we're talking <laughs> I say the term we're talking about this, I say this term very loosely cuz I've only been in like two of these particular classes on Sunday mornings in the men's class. Um, but they're talking about that in the men's class at yeah. church, talking about prophecy out, out of the book of Daniel and just how everything has to happen to fit these prophecies. And, yeah. and, and we, time and time again, it happens mm-hmm. time and time again, God has proven faithful and proven correct and proven right in what he says is going to happen in the end. And it's going to happen. Yeah. The temple will be rebuilt on the temple mount and things will get really Really bad. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. So, anyway, going back to God chose 7,000 men back when Elijah thought he was the only one left. But he said, no, there is still a remnant. There is still a select few that I have chosen to not bend their knee. And then, verse 5, so too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So even at this time, one, looking at Paul writing this letter, there is a remnant in the known world, in in all of Rome and the neighboring places that 
they are still true to God. Um, not just on like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, it's because that's what the law says. So we're going to do what the right. law. Yeah. No, it's, they truly believe in God. They believe his words and they're obeying. And uh, looking ahead, verse seven, what then Israel failed to obtain what was, what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. So th- that's a hard, that's a hard concept. It is. It, is. it goes back to. God hardening Pharaoh's heart that we talked about in chapter 9. Yeah. Where God caused these things to happen. And again, why does he do that? I mean, it's a simplistic answer, but it is the right answer. To fulfill his plan. Mm -hmm. This is why it happens. I want to go back, though, real quick before we move on. And just verse 6, I think, is very important. Verse 6 says, "But But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So I don't want to skip over that because what Paul is doing here is showing that there is a reliance on God, not a reliance on man, not on a reliance of his own abilities. It's a reliance on God to fulfill the plans that God is going to fulfill. And it's by grace. Yeah. If there's something we could do to earn it, something we could do to obtain it, it would no longer be grace. That's not That, that defeats the whole definition of grace. So... Real quick, I, I want to just look at the definition of grace that the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary gives. And, and of course... In English, the word grace can mean different things. It can mean elegance. It can mean, you know, whatever. It's, it can be a name, right? But the very first definition of, of Merriam-Webster is unmerited divine assistance given to humans. Unmerited favor, even. Unmerited favor. It is this idea that nothing you can do changes the fact that you don't deserve whatever is being given to you right now. And in this case, and, and Paul's hammering home, that's grace. That's salvation. Yeah. You don't deserve it. You can't do it on your own. You can't do anything to get it. I love it. So Webster's uh, 1828 version of their definition, it, it, like you said, the free unmerited love in favor of God, it continues to the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from him. And that's it. Literally, there is nothing you can do. It is all by the grace, the grace of God. And again, that's that's been the theme that Paul is trying to get across to his fellow Israelites. Again, he's a Jew of Jews that through the law, it is all based on works. You have to do this, 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 this to get to this. Whereas he is saying, but... If it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Right. Yeah. You have to understand this concept as a believer, as a Christian. Because for multiple reasons. One, it's just good theology. Right? It's just good theology to know that it's by God's grace that we are able to be saved. It's by God's grace that we have the opportunity to avoid hell and avoid eternal damnation. Grace alone. Period. Secondly, though, it takes the pressure off of us. Yeah. Imagine living under this idea that we have to do something to earn it. And imagine living under the idea that no matter uh, this idea that we can earn it today, but then give it back tomorrow because of what we did. Or every time I'm hanging a pair of blinds and I say a bad word because I get frustrated, I've now lost that favor, lost that grace, and I have to repent and be perfect again. That doesn't. That doesn't work. That's not conducive to scripture. That's not conducive to a healthy life. Mm-hmm. 
you have to understand this change of behavior that we've talked about so many times and, and the fruit that we've talked about so many times we've harped on over the episodes that we've been doing this, that's going to come naturally because of that conversion that you've had. Your desires will change. You will desire to be more like Christ. You will understand when you've messed up. Things that didn't bother you before will start to bother you because you now have Christ and the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, hey, this is not of me. Yeah. Go the other direction. That's natural. So we're going to struggle. And because we're going to struggle, knowing that it's grace is so comforting. It, it is. That when I mess up, I haven't lost my salvation. I haven't lost my favor with God. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, there's probably going to be a consequence. Yeah, I need to repent and turn away from it. But I haven't lost that salvation. I haven't lost that love and grace that he has given me for no reason other than he yeah. wants to. And again, it's, it's that security. We are secured in our faith. Knowing that, again, there's nothing we can do to earn it. He is. It's the free gift. He has given it to us freely. And, and it's the comfort. It's that hope, which yeah. is awesome. So, verse 7. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and behind their backs and bend their backs forever. So again, there is, there is the elect within the chosen uh, is all the tribe of Israel, the nation of Israel. And there was elect few within the nation of Israel that did not harden their hearts but the rest were hardened. That's that's what it says, as it is written. So, so I want to look at this too real quick. Um, so verse 8, Paul is turning back to Scripture again. He's turning back to the Old Testament. And he does this so much throughout Romans, and I guess I've always kind of known that, but I've never done a weekly going through this book. And so I see you see it when you see the book as a whole, as we're doing right now. You see how often he goes back to the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. And again, it's just to show that he is a Jew. He is a Bible-believing Jew. And the Bible at that time was the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So he is going to continue to draw from the Old Testament to prove his points and to show that, hey, God is who he says he is, and Christ was who he says he was. And so verse 8, he is explaining why he believes most Jews are not responding to the gospel. So it, it goes back to Moses, all right? And Moses recounted all the ways that God had blessed Israel in their liberation from Egypt in the wilderness, yet they remained stubborn in their hearts. So Isaiah, in Isaiah 29, verse 10, talks about Israel's spirit of deep sleep and confusion, okay? And it results from their phony piety and their cold hearts, this, this haughtiness of like, hey, I'm doing what the law says, therefore I'm good. Look at me, I'm awesome. Yeah. And they're, they're, but their hearts are cold. It's the Pharisees, it's the Sadducees, it's the, thank God I'm not like that tax collector over there, right? We read that verse last week in our inspirational verses of the week from the Babylon Bee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. God I'm not like one of those tax collectors. But that was in, in the context of, don't pray like that. Don't be like the Pharisees that say, well, thank God I'm not like that person. So, Paul is turning to Scripture to su to show them, hey, you've done this before. This has a, been a problem for millennia with the Jews. Oh, Yeah. From the beginning. From the beginning. It's God does all these amazing things for you, 
everything he says comes true, and yet you still turn away from him. You still harden your hearts, and you still are basing it on works. Even though time and time again, he said, no, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about works. It's about your heart. So when people of any persuasion turn away from God, their powers of discernment and moral reasoning suffer. It's punitive, but it's also redemptive in that it may jolt people into repentance. Mm. So Paul is trying to wake them up, to shake them and say, hey, you need to repent. Christ is the promised Messiah. Wake up. Well, and to looking at this, again, looking at the remnant. And I think a bad way to look at that is thinking, okay, God doesn't want the rest of them. He's just going to pick the the remnant and he's he just wants the rest to go to to hell. And no, that that's not it. It's he has allowed them to do what they want and that what they want is to not follow him. But he again trusting in a trustworthy God, he is upholding his end of the covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And even to the divinic covenant saying that your seed will be on the throne forever which is Jesus, and he is fulfilling his end of the covenant, the bargain, to the even to this day where we, we are now. And it is not, uh, I'm, I've only chosen this select few, and I'm just, I just don't care about them. It's, okay, even with as many of you guys have not chosen to follow me, I am going to make sure that Abraham's seed does not die off, that David's seed does not die off. Now, even after Jesus has come, the covenant still stands. Jesus, yeah, he, he's still on the throne for forever, but they are still his chosen people. So, I, I think that is the way to look at it, right. not that he just doesn't care about them, because he does. He says, I desire all to be saved. Well, and we can go down this whole rabbit trail if we wanted to, and I might veer off for just a moment onto the trail, and then we'll slide right back onto trail. But... This idea that, that we, our human nature is so depraved, our human hearts are so marred and touched by sin and tainted by sin, that yeah, when we are left to our own free will, our own free will will always be a, in opposition to God, period. Yeah. Because there's nothing in me that wants to obey God. From a human perspective, fleshly desires. Our yeah. fleshly desires are so opposite. I mean, you look at just talking to the guys for a second, and the girls too, but mainly the guys right now because we're such visual people. I mean, as soon as you hit twelve or thirteen years old, what do you start noticing? You start noticing women and girls, and not just in a "oh, hey, they're kind of cute" or "oh, hey, I like the personality." As a "whoa, look at that!" It's true, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and and. Lust becomes a problem for, I guarantee you, 100% of men. <laughs> well, in, the, in today's culture, it's, it has been j- just jammed down people's throat, and it has been restructured and turned into love. Right. Now, it's whenever you look at someone, oh, you fall in love with them. No, that's lust. Right. You're looking at someone with lustful intention. That's not love. But your natural inclination... As soon as puberty hits, your natural inclination is to be sinful. <laughs> yeah. Naturally. Like, no one has to teach you how to lust, right? No one has to teach you any of that, any of those desires. They're just there. Because our fleshly natural desires are so opposed to the way God wants us to do it, that without an intervention on him, from him, without some sort of divine intervention, we're not going to choose him. 
Yeah. And that's going to make some people mad that I say that and I understand that. But read the scriptures and understand where I'm coming from here. And, and a lot of it is coming from Romans. But read read through and just what? I don't know. I, again, well, that's, I, a, that's a rabbit trail that we, we can go down at some point. But And as we keep reading, we, we come into that. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll uh, pick up in verse 11. I'll go ahead and read through 24. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch, then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note, then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is, by nature, a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Definitely my favorite section out of chapter 11. Talking about the grafting. Yeah, well, let's get into it. Verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. So did they stumble so that they would fall? As in, God planned them to stumble to fall to get rid of them. That, that's how I'm reading this. And it says, by no means. No, that's, that's not what happened. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. So it's it's a twofold. Yes. It's God al- allowed those to fall away, those to not believe, those to become have hardened hearts so that the Gentiles can be saved, so that the Gentiles can be grafted in. Uh, it almost sounds like a, to make room for the Gentiles or and it's if you read it in a certain way you can almost take it as God changing his plans. But that's not what this was. Yeah. This was God's plan from the beginning. You, again, you see it all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Old and New Testament. Everything has to go exactly according to plan for it to work, and it does. Yeah, it allows the Jews or the Gentiles to 
to then be grafted in. So it's a, it's it's a twofold goal: allow the Gentiles to be saved, and maybe make the Jewish people reconsider. Yeah, make them jealous so they can reconsider. Well, even looking at it as I mean, Paul references it as a race. Long endurance racing, not sprinting, but a race. Life is a race that the goal is Christ in heaven. And looking at it as a race, here is Israel who has tripped and who has fallen in their arrogance. Just their haughtiness saying, we are the chosen people. We're, We're it. That's it. And God allowed them to trip and fall to be passed by uncultured swine, the Gentiles. And... And yeah, exactly. And it says in verse 11, so as to make Israel jealous. And as we get further in, it's to wake them up and say, you're not the only ones here. I still love you guys. And I, I desire for you to be saved, but you need get, get your head out of your butt and start paying attention to me and not yourselves. Verse 12. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, And if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? And that's not a question. That's an exclamation mark. That's through their failures, through their their faults, the riches for the world and riches for the Gentiles. That's, I mean, and again, I'm thankful for that because that's me. Right. We have been grafted in because of the the failures of Israel. Right. And you look at, Verse 12, and, and what Paul's kind of asking here, can, I think Paul's kind of saying, can you imagine how amazing it would be if the Jews and the Gentiles united under Christ, and just how, how amazing of a world we would live in, and how incredible of a time we would have being united with the Jewish people? Oh, yeah, the Jews came and said, you guys are right. Jesus is the Son of God. Right. It would be incredible. Jesus would probably come back right then and there. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. It would be incredible. So I think that's what Paul's getting at is like, hey, I mean, your triumphs helped you. Your failures helped the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Now what happens if you guys unite? Yeah. Imagine the prosperity and the love and the effectiveness we would have for the kingdom if we were all united. Well, it I mean, but we also get that picture too. Um, how much more will their full inclusion mean? And we get that. At the end of the age, when we're in heaven, that's what that's what their full inclusion. Every tribe, mean. tongue, and nation, including the Jews, including God's chosen people, Jews and the Gentiles in heaven with each other, proclaiming the name of Jesus. That's that's what we're looking forward to right now. Let's go. Let's well, Jesus come now. Let's go on God's timing, not so much us ending in ourselves. We're not Jim Jonesing it here. Like, let's, oh God. I wasn't even. I'm just. I'm praying. When Jesus I said when, well, when I said let's go, I feel like it could be taken a. A certain way, and I just want to say I'm not. Yeah, no, no, no Jesus, come no. back. Je- yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little slab happy tonight. It's fine. So anyway, <laughs> verse thirteen. Now I'm speaking to you, Gentiles, and as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. So. He's speaking to the Gentiles. Uh, we, we know that both him and Peter kind of separated a little bit where Paul took the Gentiles. He went towards them. That was his main ministry, reaching the Gentiles, whereas Peter went towards the Jews. 
And they they kind of kept that, even though they they talked to anybody they possibly could. We know that Peter went to the Gentiles, uh, the centurion Cornelius, and spoke to his whole family, converted his whole family. Um, but they have this set between them to to do this. But even though Paul was going towards the Gentiles, that's his main ministry. I magnify my ministry in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. So there's a little bit of um, debate as to what that term jealous means, what what Paul is talking about there. Two different kind of kinds of interpretations. I kind of like one of them more than I like the other, but that's literally just from me saying, hey, this definition sounds better. So I could be wrong, but it could mean exactly what it says. It could mean making the Jews legitimately jealous. They're jealous of seeing the Gentiles being grafted in and seeing their abundance and their happiness and their joy and their passion. And they're jealous of that. And they're like, okay, well, maybe there's something to this because they are prospering under this, right? And they are now a part of, according to Paul, a part of us, and they they seem happier, right? So there's like a a legit jealousy there of like, wow, I want what they got, okay? There's also an interpretation that says, he, he means more of a zeal, like zealous would be a better word, where the Jews would wake up and say, man, God is worthy of our worship, our adoration, our zeal, our full commitment, even if that means proclaiming Christ as the Messiah. And if that's what that means to gain that full zeal and that full joy, well, then we need to do that because I want to be zealous. I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to rely on my works. I don't want this. I don't want that. I want to be zealous for God. And if that means accepting Christ then that's what we'll do. And so I think those are the two possible scenarios there. I kind of like the zealous route a little better. It, it does seem a little more fitting, but um, you know, I think either interpretation, I don't think you're super in the wrong. No, I'm the Greek. Cause the goal is the same, right? Yeah. The Greek word is perezelo and it is to provoke to jealousy. I make jealous, provoke to jealousy or provoke to anger. And yeah, it's that thought of, Get them so angry at even almost themselves, like the to to open open their eyes to see what they've been doing wrong, and right there where where Paul says, and to thus save some of them, and again, as we know, not all Israelites will be going to heaven, not all the Jews are going to heaven. it is going to be a remnant of them, as is even the Gentiles, a remnant of the Gentiles. And he is doing this to make them jealous just so that it might save some of them. And that's, that's what he's working on. Yeah. So, in verse 15, For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? And just like we were talking about, that their failures, their trespasses their, are riches for the world, their failures are riches for the Gentiles. Uh, their rejection means the reconciliation of the world. They rejected Christ, and because of that, the Gentiles were reconciled to God. Now, I don't want you to hear us saying that as a universal salvation. Right. Right? There's that sect of quote-unquote Christians who would say that ultimately love wins, and ultimately everyone you know, gets to heaven because ultimately we're all going to be saved. And that's not true. That's not what Paul is saying here. All right? He's saying that now the Gentiles have the ability to come to, to a personal faith, yeah, and to be reconciled with God. Yeah. So, just don't hear us saying that uh, universal salvation, because it's just not the case. Definitely not. So, Paul kind of starts now going 
into a metaphor uh, and and discussing the olive tree and branches falling off and being cut and being grafted and a wild olive tree being grafted to a to a tame apple or olive tree not an apple tree that'd cultivated. be weird cultivated tame olive tree <laughs> whatever apple tree olive tree pear tree no uh <laughs> he uses the olive tree throughout this metaphor and so we'll go through that really quickly as we're starting to run a little long actually we're mm-hmm. we're pushing an hour already already it's gone by fast but we still got a few verses to go well so real quick <laughs> Look again, looking at the difference between a cultivated, let's just just fruit in general, say a cultivated lemon tree versus a wild lemon tree. So if you get a cultivated lemon tree, you are getting it from the main source, um, from the the lemon tree that's been grown for a while. You're you're taking off shoots, you're growing it from that shoot. And as it grows, it's a lemon tree. But if you get a wild lemon tree that say uh a bird picks through a lemon, gets the seed, the seed gets planted in the soil and it grows on its own. The tree that grows from that seed, when it grows, it has thorns because it's a copy of a copy. It's not nece- It's further away from the true lemon tree. And it's same thing with the olive tree. The, 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 the wild one has thorns. It's, it's almost like it's not complete. As in, it it's it has defects, and so the, a li- little bit of difference and a little bit more of a, a mental picture as we're going through this metaphor. So I'm going to read I'm going to read the metaphor real quick, and then we'll we'll dive in. Ver- starting in verse 16, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Well, that's true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through the faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back to their own olive tree? And I think really what Paul's doing here, just to kind of simplify it, just to kind of take all of that and to condense it down to a couple verses or a couple sentences here, he's telling the Gentiles a couple of things. First, don't be arrogant in your salvation. Mm -hmm. Don't then look at yourselves as better than the Jews who believe or the Jews who don't believe. You are there by grace. You are there because of God's kindness. And God's people are still God's people. The Jewish people are still God's chosen people. So he is going to take care of them. And if they are if they come to their they come to faith in him, he is going to welcome them back with open arms. Those who don't believe. And so he's telling the Gentiles, don't be arrogant in your salvation. Be humble. Be thankful. Be thankful to God for his kindness and his grace. Be thankful for the Jews who are the root of that salvation because mm-hmm. everything came from them. Yeah. Christ and, and, and all his 
you follow his lineage. His lineage is the Jewish people. Yeah. God's plan of salvation was worked through the Jewish people. So Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. So do not be arrogant in your salvation and think you're better than the Jews and think you're better than this. You're not. You were there because of grace. Mm-hmm. And you're there because the Jewish people existed. That's why you're there. Yeah. There, there is a solidified olive tree, and that is the tree that you, as a Christian, have been grafted onto, which is interesting. So, you take a shoot off of that olive tree, and you put that of a wild olive. It will take time, but it will start to sprout, and it'll grow, and it'll turn into a limb off of this tree. But if you take that that one one limb that you cut off to put the wild one on... If you were to regraft that natural olive branch onto that natural olive tree, there is a connection there. There is still, I guess you could say, this familiarity to where it will grow quicker than that of the wild olive shoot because it, it has already been known, I guess you could say, by that olive tree. It would remember. Yeah. And it's the same way. It, that thought of even looking at, okay, what this is saying is God's kindness to you provided you continue in kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. So, again, Israel. Talking about Israel being cut off, being these dead branches that are no longer growing. They're cut off. But they can always be put back on. Also, looking at the Gentiles having the opportunity to be grafted in. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. So it's also that thought of, okay, once you're there, can you be cut off again? I don't know. I It, it really doesn't say a whole lot much to that. But again, Paul is talking about your arrogance. Do not become arrogant in your salvation. Do not think yourself haughtier than those branches that were already there because you've taken their place. So. That it's a thought. That's I, that's where a lot of that mentality of you can lose your salvation. I think comes into play. And well, and I think you know genuine salvation, genuine salvific faith perseveres. Mm-hmm. Genuine faith perseveres, and God will deal quickly and swiftly with those who reject Him. And I think that's what He's saying in these verses. He's yeah. saying, "I'm going to deal with those who reject Me in a quick." Swift way. You won't even have time to sprout on this tree. Exactly. And in that, to me, alludes back to the parable of the four four, uh, soils. Yep. Right? Yep. Where there are some that that grow and sprout a little bit, but as soon as some tribulation happens, as soon as something hard takes place, as soon as the sun hits it, it withers and it's gone. Because there's no roots. There's nothing there. Which it gets into a little bit more dicey. So, getting into... I don't even know if we want to go there. This is a big rabbit trail. We don't have a ton of time for rabbit trails, but I'm curious what your rabbit trail is. So, predestination. Okay. So, if these seeds have been dropped on these certain places, one dropped in the rocky soil, one dropped on a rock, one dropped in good soil, one dropped in the thorns, did God predestinate that each one of those would be dropped in those places? So, therefore, he knew, foreknew, that the one dropped in... The rocky soil would sprout but not grow. He knew that the one dropped into the thorns would be choked, but he knew that the one would grow in the rich soil. 
It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. It's tough. It is. I Yeah. It is. It's something to explore. And, and, and I like that parable. And there's so many ways you can go through that parable. Maybe we write that down on our list of, of it's topics there. at some point. That, that parable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. Oh, and, and again, I don't, I don't say that to stir things up. That's, of course. It's just, it's something, again, for those who are strong believers to grapple with. If you are not, then don't. Don't. Not yet. Um, but it, it is good for Stick us. with the basics. I mean, yeah, stick with the yeah. ABCs of, of the faith and, and growing deeper in your knowledge Milk. of God. And as you grow deeper, you start wrestling with these weightier topics. You know, we, uh, sitting there at, at, in our class on, on Saturday or on Sunday, I'm sorry. Um, we were talking about the end times a little bit yeah. and man, I, I know he wasn't going this route. But it took a lot of me to say, you know, I'm not, and this is a little spoiler for the topic we are going to talk about once I'm done with school, because this is going to be a big one. But I'm not convinced the rapture is biblical. Ooh, And okay. I almost said that Sunday. I'm like, I'm not going to stir that pot right now. Yeah. So yeah. again, that's one of those topics, kind of like predestination, kind of like that is in the parable of the four sowers and how you interpret it. That's a weighty subject. That's mm-hmm. a subject for... Those of us who have the basics understood and those of us who have the basics down and are secure in our faith and feel comfortable in our faith to start going with these bigger topics that we may never have the answers to. Right. Just just to chew on and just to strengthen our faith. And the kind of like how the deeper we get into space, the farther we see, the more it solidifies a creator. The deeper we get into our faith, the more it solidifies our faith in God. The more we talk about these harder subjects that are tough to grapple with and get beyond this basics the deeper our faith becomes and the more strong our faith is, no matter what side of it we fall on. Because like I said, the end goal is the same, win people to Christ Mm -hmm. and live a life that's pleasing to the gospel. Yeah. That's the end goal for no matter where you fall on the rapture, on predestination, on losing your... The end goal is the same. Pre-trib, post-trib, A-mill, pre-mill, whatever. Yeah. The goal is the same. Yeah. Be like Christ and win others to him and make disciples. Yeah. So... We say that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek of like, hey, let's tease this, because this is something we want to talk about. It's controversial. Oh, yeah. And it is controversial. But no, we come at it just from a, we want to just deepen our knowledge. Yeah. Well, and that this is what we need to do as Christians, to be able to talk about this stuff, to talk about it, not debate, not argue, to discuss it. And if we have different views and opinions, so what? These On are these secondary, secondary issues, issues that are out here. That's fine. Yeah. Who was it that said there's that kind of bullseye of the core things? There was somebody in in, in, uh, in the class that yeah. said that that yeah. said there's these core there are these core issues that we have to agree on. Jesus Christ is Son of God. Yes. Yep. We are sinners. We deserve hell. We don't have to get it because of grace. So on and so forth. Those yep. are core things that we have to believe. But then there are these this outer ring of like okay these are important but not salvation. And then there's this third ring I think of like big topics that oh, yeah. really don't affect your salvation one way or the other. It just is topics to talk about and figure out what, you know, figure out what we believe. And so, it, And it's great to be able to discuss those. So we just finished verse 24 uh, about the olive branches and all that. We just talked about that. And, and I think because of time, you know, we're pushing about an hour for this episode. So I think because of time, we are going to go ahead and stop here. We are going to finish next week, verses 25 through 36, because I'm sitting there looking through it, and I'm like, man, <laughs> there are so many things I want to say about this, and so many points I want to bring out, Yeah, and it's it, it's another one of those, there's a few phrases in there that can be a little confusing mm-hmm. that I feel like we need to shed some clarity on. So, 
to give it the time it deserves, we're going to actually go ahead and stop here. We're going to dive into it next week. We're going to have a second topic next week as well. We're going to talk about Christmas because next week will be our Christmas episode. And so we're going to have little dual topics next week on our episode um, of Rooted in Logos. So we'll have uh, the last part of Romans 11. We'll talk about Christmas and what all that means as for Christians and should we celebrate it? Question mark. Ooh. You know, just a little preview. Uh, I've alluded to the fact that I have a Christmas tree up, so I think you know where I'm going to stand on this. <laughs> and, but we're going to talk about that because Austin and I have had some cool conversations about the origins of Christmas and some of these traditions that we have and, and some of these things that we do. So we're excited to get into that. We're excited to finish Romans chapter 11 because it is such a rich, rich oh, yeah. chapter. And and like I said, we want to give it the time it deserves and not rush through these last 10 or so verses. Yeah. Um, because that's Agreed. not what we should do. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode, this first part of Romans 11. Uh, we're very excited to continue and finish this up. I'm excited to finish Romans and kind of start moving on to some other things. Mm-hmm. I love the book of Romans, don't get me wrong, and I'm excited to get through the rest of it, but uh, I'm just excited for just kind of some of the ideas that we're starting to have as to what we yeah. want to talk about and do. and um, See what else God has for us. See what else God has for us, because, you know, the sky's the limit. So, right. At least in my mind it is. The Bible's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you think about it, guys, again, pray for those in Kentucky and, and throughout this, the Midwest that have been affected by the storms this weekend. Uh, pray for us as we continue to move towards you know where we want to go with this and what we want to do in the next in the new year coming up uh, new year new me woo no not that <laughs> um, but we're excited to to keep going so pray for us pray for those inf- affected find a way to give find a way to donate uh, like us subscribe us find us on Instagram Facebook um, jump on Patreon if you want to support us financially to kind of help us get to our goals that we're gonna start laying out in the next few weeks and. Um, give us a five-star review on Apple because we need some of those. Yeah, we'd appreciate We've that. We've kind of been stuck on like 17 for a long time. Oh, that's more than I thought we had. So yeah, that's cool. so no, it's going good. I yeah. like it. But just keep reviewing us if you can. Give us five stars. If you don't want to give us five stars, just don't review it because we don't need any of that negativity here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but reach out to us if you have any questions, anything you want us to talk about, any, any concerns about what we said. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. So, guys, we will see you all next week, next Wednesday, for episode number 44. But in the meantime, stay Stay rooted. rooted. San Diego. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogospod.